You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht, Benjamin Pieske, and Sam Gardner, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about figures and how to show individual patients in these. So stay tuned and now some music. <music> Figures, data visualizations, graphs, we just need more of them. I'm very, very, very certain. And I've talked about figures quite often in this podcast. There's a couple of different episodes about data visualizations. So if you want to learn more about it, just scroll back. Also, there's lots of stuff about data visualization on the homepage. So Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com and check all the different resources we have there. There's uh, quite a lot. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. And there's also a really great data visualization stick. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to psiweb.org and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. And like last week, it is with Benjamin. Hi, Benjamin. How are you doing? Hi, Alexander. Well, let's see if it was last week because the agenda is usually changing <laughs> in terms of... <laughs> yeah, as we recorded, is, uh, it's predicted to follow up on another discussion we have, but you're right. Some, sometimes these things are changing. We are um, just a short kind of um, behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, we usually record uh, episode at least a couple of weeks when, if not months in advance, um, to take the stress out of it. Yeah, um, we both didn't want to get into a mode where, oh, it's Monday, we need to record the episode that it, so that it can <laughs> go out tonight. Um, yeah, that would be really... Yeah, but you're usually very good in, in working in advance. So there's uh, quite a number here currently. I, I don't... I don't even know exactly, but I think this rec this episode is. I mean, we today have still the last day of August for recording, yeah. but actually, it's planned for November or something. So yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's uh, no, it's even planned for mid December. <laughs> oh, so Christmas episode. Yep. So individual patients. Short story about it. Um, in my years where I was working a lot on psychiatry studies, yeah, um, one of the things that we were always looking into was symptom reduction over time. Yeah, Let's say you have a patient with schizophrenia and you measure um, his symptoms on some kind of uh, questionnaire with, that captures all these different um, questions about, you know, the symptoms of uh, patients with schizophrenia. And um, then you have some kind of baseline score and you have takes a score at each visit, let's say one, two, 
for six and eight weeks after, after the start of treatment. And usually what people would show was averages, maybe with confidence intervals or differences, group differences, things like this, or responders. Yeah, so how many patients had at least 25% reduction or 50% reduction or whatever, what was uh, relevant for um, this endpoint? And I was always wondering, okay, the percent reduction really depends on the baseline value. Yeah. So if you have a score that, let's say, ranges from you know, for, from 20 to 50, yeah, in uh, your baseline characteristics, yeah, because you don't have anyone below that threshold because you want to have sick patients in your study that you can actually treat and improve. Then, you know, if you have a 10 point difference, yeah, is a 50% reduction on the lower end and it's only a 20% reduction on the upper end. How can you kind of, you know, but, but the, the, the mean change, you know, is the same. So I was thinking I, I need to get a little bit more grip on this. I was really, really dissatisfied with how we were commonly kind of displaying data because I couldn't really feel the data. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was discussing about this for quite a long mm. time with different colleagues. We looked into different ways how we can measure it. And uh, one of the things that we very often were looking into were scatter plots, you know, where we had the baseline data as the horizontal axis and the follow-up data at the vertical axis. And then you can you know, plot the follow-up data at week one, at week two, at week four, six, and eight versus the baseline data. And that was kind of nice. We um, got a little bit better feeling of it. And, uh, you know, later in my career, I actually used this uh, similar approach with psoriasis data. And then we even more kind of made it more sophisticated and interpolated uh, the individual patients. So these, instead of having scatter plots kind of, you know, for each follow-up uh, visit, you would have one scatter plot of that visit and uh, results versus the baseline. Yeah, week one versus baseline, week two versus baseline, week four versus baseline, and so on, on. You would have that like you know a continued series of scatter plots. Yeah, and we you know made them after each other, so it uh, we got a little kind of comic movie, so to say, and. When we had that, that was really the moment where you could see how the individual patients were performing. Because if you had these different scatter plots, you couldn't really see, okay, was that point moving from here to here or is that a different patient? But because of this animation, yeah, of the interpolation, we were able to see how the individual patients were going down and up and so on. And that was really the first time I, I thought, now I really understand what's happening. And it was one of the 
big successes of my, my career. This example uh, probably helped me with two or three promotions, actually. And, and we applied it. Uh, people outside of the company copied it. Uh, so other companies used similar things. And it was really, really, <laughs> really interesting. And the background is really to show the individual patients. Showing individual patients is also something that is coming up again and again in the discussions of the wonderful Wednesday. So the monthly webinars that the PSI Visualization Special Interest Group is, is running. I can highly recommend having a look there. And I think Sex Krivenek is usually the person that, you know, comes up with, oh, if we would show individual patients, how would that look like? Yeah, it's really, really nice because you get a sense of the uncertainty. Yeah, over time, the, the variation between patients, um, you get a much better kind of sense of it. You get a you get a feeling of how much evidence is there. Yeah, because you directly see, oh, here we have 10 patients. Here we have 1,000 patients. Yeah, you get physicians to connect much more with the data because physicians see individual patients. They don't see the average patient. Yeah, and so they see all kinds of different people. Yeah, with low symptoms, uh, low severity of symptoms, high severity of symptoms. They don't see usually the, the exact average patient. Yeah. And that really helps for them to connect more emotionally also with the data. You can see more kind of transparent what's going on. Yeah. It's sometimes people see statistics a little bit like a black box magic thing, you know, probably heard variation of, and then you do your stats magic sentence quite a, quite a lot in my uh, career because people don't really understand it. And when they see the individual patients, they can much better understand, oh, here is, this is why the mean is changing. Yeah. Or this is why, you know, there is not a statistical difference because the variation is so big. Yeah, you can also see more details like has there certain clusters of patients. Yeah, so for example, going back to the um, example with the animated scatter plot, we could see there were certain patients that were moving down and then up again. Yeah, so most patients went you know down, but but certain patients had only this initial drop, and then they you know decreased. With, with, uh, with efficacy. That was interesting to have a look into. You can much better see, are there any extreme values or even outliers? Yeah. Um, what is happening in this, let's say, upper quartile of the patients, the most severe patient, do they behave the same as all the other patients? Yeah. Or the very low patients? Yeah. Maybe, you know, you see that... Well, most of the treatment effect you see in the more severe or the less severe patients, yeah? you see more, much more of these details um, when you look into um, individual patients 
in, in your figures. Yeah, I think, no, I absolutely. I mean, I understand the point of saying it's, it's the question is about the, the individual patient and not about the average. Um, so that, that does, does definitely help. Um, you know, just trying to imagine that, you know, if you have a phase three with 300 patients, how you would, you know, possibly do this. So I think we, we still have to kind of consider the, the whole um, setting for whatever you would like to yeah. present. Because, you know, even if you then, you know, if you have 300 points jumping up and down in an animated scatter plot, you might pick one or two, but that is, that may give you just an idea, but it's still, um, you know, it's, it's not then about the individual. So we have to dig into the data and I, um, but I, I fully, I fully understand, especially when you present the results uh, to, mm. to the medics, you know, if it's for a statistician, they can, you know, probably at first look better into the, the usual descriptive statistics with mean, ver, you know, variances, uh, et cetera, understand where this is coming from, especially when you see it all like in the longitudinal setting, so over time. And, and, but then the medics, are, I mean, they, they can understand it. It's not that they don't understand like descriptive statistics. It's just that mm -hmm. they are not reading it like this. So they're, as you said, they're, you know, it's it's about the patient. So if they find somebody interesting, they would like to see where is the patient going, and um, so that's that's extremely. I think the the animation um, is a is a very good idea. I mean, we we still like from you know being in the in the industry for twenty years, you know, we still kind of have the original. Our original mind is still on the on the two D uh, you know print out paper. A graphic and, yeah, and it tells yeah. me, you know, it's this is where, where you can show. And then, you know, the, the printer quality isn't that good. That's why if you have 300 patients, it's just one big black, you know, blob of <laughs> ink on, on, on this one. So it doesn't it doesn't give you anything. But uh, it's I mean, uh, it's difficult to um, especially when I now think about the CRO setting, because we don't you know, when we plan SAP and plan an analysis that is, um, you know, we we are not talking about animation. So we are talking about whatever you can put in figures and, you know, to, to describe this statistically and then have some idea or some, you know, plan behind it. So at the, at the end, you know, when it goes to the FDA, it's, you know, it's not a question of individual, of the individual patient or 300 individuals. It's about the mean, it's about the um, confidence, the p-value whatsoever. So it's, it's, it's a discrete. But for, you know, really digging in the data and understanding what what's behind and then planning in the future you know wh whatever wherever we go with this um whatever we do with the um how, how we present it it's it's you know then especially where where you are working and you know in the in the the later phases yeah. where where yeah. this is this is an enormous um like uh, um tool to use um, animation, so to use um, more than a printout paper. Yeah. Really. So let's talk a little bit about a couple of different graph types where you can use that. And um, let's also see how, you know, some of the objections that Benjamin raised um, quite rightly can potentially be addressed there. Yeah. So one of the most common way probably of, of showing data is, you know, if, especially if you show continuous data over time or something like this, is a spaghetti plot, yeah? That works well if you don't have too many patients. 
if you have a lot of patients, it can get very cluttered. But there's a trick you can use. If you are not interested so much in showing the individual patients, you can, for example, have two spaghetti plots, one for each treatment, if you have two treatments, yeah, and put the uh, individual patients kind of as gray lines in the background. And the average treatment effect, yeah, as a dark line in, in the foreground. Yeah. That way you can see how the overall uh, change is, um, as well as kind of what is the yeah, the variation behind it. Yeah. Are there any outliers and uh, are there any kind of weird things going on? The downside to it. To it is, of course, that you see how more the distribution within the groups is. Um, it's not so well suited for comparing between groups. There, of course, you know, having both averages in the same graph is, is really nice. Um, but it, you know, it serves a different purpose. Yeah, and you can also like for this, you can also work with colors more than just having yeah. gray and, and like one. So if you have within a group, um, I don't know, gender. Um, or, or whatsoever, so kind of see, you know, make it a little bit colorful. So not not heavy colorful. So not as yeah. you know, not one color for each patient, but it's really about um, underlining some of the the general questions, so you get an idea. Yeah, no, for sure, don't make a rainbow plot where you have <laughs> thirty different colors. Um, by the way, if you can make it interactive, it's really really nice if you have these kind of hover over functions or things like this. So, so, or if you can select patients, yeah, where you um, highlight all the female patients, highlight all the pre-treated patients or things like that. So you can see kind of, are they more or less, you know, equally distributed across all patients or is there some kind of, you know, directional effect? Yeah, are all the pre-treated patients uh, less severe patients or more severe patients or whatever? Yeah, so uh, that's nice to have. A more simplified version of the spaghetti plot is, uh, is a slope graph. Yeah, so basically it's just two vertical lines. Yeah, and you and each patient just connects these lines in terms of um, before and after. Yeah, things like that. And it's uh, you can really very easily then see is. Is it general increase in things or is it general decrease in, uh, in things? Yeah, and you can also see uh, like outliers for, you know, if, if the extremes, you can identify them quite yeah. quickly. Yeah. One of the problems here is if you have, let's say, categorical data, let's say mm. a CGI, yeah, with values one to seven, it gets a little bit more difficult. Um, they have, one of the things to have in mind is, for example, um, Jitter the data, yeah, um, so that you can better identify the individual patients. Or sometimes, you know, doing things like maybe a Sankey chart is, is helpful, yeah. Um, of course, the Sankey chart, if you have lots of kind of episodes in there, you can't see the individual patients anymore, yeah, uh, how they are flowing, but at least, yeah, for between each of these different, you can get a better understanding of, of that. Yeah. Um, it, it goes in the same direction as, you know, if you have um, 
some kind of slope graph, and then you have the uh, the, the, the the thickness of the line based on the number of patients in there. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's another point, really. I mean, we can we can talk about um, you know we said colors already as one identifier, which is just easy to see and to identify as, a, and the other one is really thickness. So you know, bolts, not whatever it is, like a like a big circle, like a small point, whatsoever. So kind of thickness uh, of line uh, is another very quick uh, identifier of um, uh, of individual or grouped data within these these plots yeah. yeah another way to kind of show how things develop over time for for individual patients in are heat maps yeah so mm. uh where basically um you have a matrix of where you know the diff individual uh, rows uh let's say the patients and the um different columns um let's say, visits, for example, and then the, the color of the um, color of the cells um, you know, is, is determined by the severity of the uh, symptoms. Sometimes that works quite nice, yeah? You see this, for example, um, I've seen that in uh, some COVID-related graphs. Yeah, where you see um, time on the kind of in terms of the what are the columns and age groups are the rows. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it starts with the top row, which are the kids and the teenagers and, and so on. Yeah, and then you can, in terms, the intensity is then by uh the uh, incident rate uh the incidence for a specific time and that way you can see kind of whether the incidence first goes up for example in the elderly population and then goes to the younger population or maybe you know um when there's a lot of vaccination of the uh, more old patients is happening yeah that most of the um incidence is actually in the younger population or in the kids yeah, yeah. so um this is you know another way to show individual patients if you have each line or each row is, is basically one patient yeah just one one comment on on the on the table because i think it's a it's an excellent idea and i've seen nice graphs actually in just quite you know a general newspaper so where they use these kind of heat maps um the only advice i would like to give is use the right colors yes because um it's you know even though you can say well whatever you know dark red isn't you know means something good actually it doesn't so if you if you read like a figure with dark red this is alarm this is like mm -hmm. a, <laughs> it's a bad and and that is something we should we should consider so if you if you work with green and with red this is kind of giving you like a like a good bad uh, attitude to the whole figure even though you don't want it or you may not want it so that's why use yellow blue what just think about the colors so that's that's an yeah. important advice really to not use and and think sample. about maybe the, uh, your audience is colorblind yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> so red especially and green. you know 
we as men are highly affected. Uh, so um, take that into account. There's one graph actually that we very, very often use that shows individual patients. It's a Kaplan-Meier plot. Yeah? If you think of it, it's a little bit like, a, you know, each you know, row is the, uh, is the individual patients. Yeah? And then it's uh, looked up over time. And here, the sorting is really coming through. Yeah, mm -hmm. of course, it's sorted by the time to uh, response or the time to event or the time to sensory. Yeah, um, and so here you can see how how really important the ordering of the patients is. Yeah, um, you get this nice survival curve uh, when you have the Kaplan-Meier uh, plot and um, I think it's a really, really nice way to visualize uh, this type of data. I agree, and this is this is quite known. Yeah, it's a good point you bring it up because you don't see this as individual patient data, mm. uh, like a usual Kaplan-Meier. Um, I mean, it is obviously, but you don't name the patient, so you don't identify them yeah. uh, unless yeah. unless you specifically do. But actually, that is um, yeah. And the same as you know, you can also show um, cumulative distribution function. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in the same way. And you can show if you have a couple of different treatments, you can show kind of um, how these individual, uh, these different cumulative distribution functions uh, behave over time. Yeah, that's, that's another way. Um, kind of related to this are these uh, waterfall plots. Yeah, so where you basically have Patients change over time, yeah, and you sort the patients um, by now how much they change, yeah. Mm. So some may increase, some may decrease, and you start with the patients that has a, the biggest increase, and then sort to the patient with the biggest decrease, um, and that way you can directly see kind of how many patients had decrease of at least X, yeah? Or how many patients had a decrease overall? Or are there patients that are, you know, that most of the patients are really decreasing, but there's a certain fraction of the patients that is increasing quite a lot, yeah? Um, yeah, you, you can really put in like nice um, animation actually for this one as well. So if it's over time yeah. Yeah. and you like highlight in colors, let's say like different either pre-treatments or any subgroups, and then you just go with the animation over time and you see how the the weight of the waterfall plot is is moving over time on the one side and then how the different colors are moving from one rather from the left side to the right side and so on. So waterfall plots um, and animations is a, is a powerful tool for individual um, dem demonstrating individual uh, course of the, of the patient's decrease and increasing um, of the... Um, over do, you time. do you know these um, race bar charts? that have mm, no. come on vogue quite a lot on, on the internet. So where you can, for example, see, let's say, um, I have one scene, um, the most favorite uh, programming languages over time. 
Yeah. And then you see kind of, okay, uh, it's ranked one, two, three, four, five or so. And um, you can see kind of how these, um, you know, how they switch in terms of the ranks. Yeah. Um, Or um, the most successful musicians in terms of sales. Yeah. And then you see kind of how they changed over time in terms of, the Beatles and then the Rolling Stones and then Elton John and then Rihanna and whoever, yeah, mm. uh, goes in there. Um, it's kind of related to that. Um, and it's, uh, it's an, also another way to uh, show individual um, uh, data over time. I want to go into a couple of, in, you know, additional features that you can uh, do. So, so we, we, already talked about highlighting things, yeah? Uh, like the group means, like, you know, maybe specific uh, uh, patients or, or groups of patients, making it interactive. You know, this hover over effect in, uh, is really, really nice where maybe you can see then, okay, this individual patient, did he have have any kind of AE or especially for AE data. Yeah. If you show a individual patients and their AE data or lab data, you know, oh, here's the, here's the lab going up. Did that have, uh, did that patient have got any uh, co-medication? Did he have any um, uh, comorbidity? Did he have an adverse event? which dose was he on? Yeah, all these kind of additional information you can then put into hover over information. And um, that, of course, makes it really, really nice to kind of walk through the data. Of course, it's, you know, time consuming to build it up. uh, But depending on how often you can use it, for example, yeah, um, for example, AE data, maybe you, you need to use it for any phase one studies that you do. Uh, so maybe it makes sense to, you know, invest time once and then use it again and again and again. Well, I mean, we can to the point maybe a little bit later. So maybe we should talk about like how to create it. So what, what software are you using? But let's, let's first go with the additional <laughs> features. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that we already mentioned is sorting is really crucial. Yeah. And if you can, sometimes it's really nice if you can also have interactive sorting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to sort by treatment group? Do you want to sort by baseline value? Do you want to sort by something other that is meaningful? Sort by something that is really meaningful. I've seen, you know, sort where they just sorted by the patient number, which Mostly nobody really cares about, yeah. yeah? So make sure. The other thing is try to combine it with your mean statistics, your your summary statistics that you're uh, interested in, yeah? So like we said with the spaghetti plot, include the average, yeah? Or do you want to include the, the... percentage yeah so when we were talking about the um cumulative distribution function yeah uh, do you want to highlight within that kind of certain thresholds yeah if you have a waterfall plot 
Do you want to highlight there are certain areas in it? Yeah, you can always kind of think about this and align these different graphics where you show the data in a in a meaningful way. So, for example, if you have a waterfall plot and it is horizontally aligned, then put the and if you have several treatment groups, put them below each other, not next to each other. Because then you can much easier see, okay, what is the, how are certain, you know, percentages changing? If you then directly see, okay, here 80% of the patients improved, here 70% of the patients improved, here 60% of the patients improved. Yeah. If you have that below each other, you can much easier kind of compare that, see these averages where it's much more difficult to compare it if you have it next to each other. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can see the weight, like how this is kind of shifting over from one side to the other, or at least moving in one direction um, if it's below each other, definitely. Yeah. Another important feature to have in mind is unbalanced treatment groups. Yeah. So um, that was one of the bigger challenges, actually, with this animated scatter plot. Yeah, because then you have, let's say, if you have a two to one ratio in terms of randomization, you have double the number of dots in one plot compared to the other. And that, you know, can look weird. Um, I also had, you know, for heat maps where, you know, one heat map was triple the size of another heat map. I was thinking like, mm, can we kind of correct for that somehow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you can more easily visually compare things. You have mentioned, you know, things can get very cluttered. Yeah. Take care of that in terms of, you know, gray, hover, whatsoever. How big are these, you know, in a scatter plot? How big are the dots that you are showing? There's a lot of fine tuning needed. Um, that's why, you know, Having it 100% pre-specified is very often very difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been there anyway already. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So there's another drawback to it. Usually, these um, graphs are more complex. Yeah. So consider where you want to show them. Um, it's probably not the right place if you have just 20 seconds to explain it. Yeah, like if you're giving a presentation at a conference and your whole presentation is not longer than seven minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. or if you give it to someone that, like a sales representative, yes, it has maybe five minutes with a physician. Yeah. Take it to yeah. those occasions where you actually have time. Yeah, yeah but but it's um, well, actually, you you see that this was a successful exercise with, with creating the plots. If it doesn't actually take more time to understand it, yeah. No, but I mean, not, not yeah. I mean, if you dig into individual data, it obviously takes time. But getting the grip on the you know on the on the data. So if you use the right colors, if you use the right settings, so if it's not if it's not too cluttered, if it's yeah. easy to read and, and, you know, but if it's difficult to understand, I mean, give it to your neighbor, you to your colleague and just, you know, get, get a, get a sense of how quickly the person understands it. But the, the, the good thing about the, the, the figures and, and even the individual patients in the visualization is that um, 
you are using means of color, thickness, and whatsoever, so the different figure that makes people or the appearance much easier to assess. Yeah. Right away, if it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It, and that is another kind of thing. It, of course, takes more time. Yeah. yeah. So doing a line graph of averages, yeah, straightforward. Yeah. But here that takes more time. But I think very often it's, it's worth the effort. Yeah. Because what people see in the end of all the work, you know, the protocols, the SAPs, the programming, the execution of the study, you know, all these kind of different things ultimately come down to some figures, mm. make them really stand out. You know, these studies costs hundreds of millions of euros sometimes. Yeah. And then we have this rubbish Excel figure in the end that summarizes the key points. I think, couldn't you invest a little bit more time into this? You know, make sure that people understand it. And as we said in the beginning, um, patient values are really important. In the end, you know, all what we do is about individual patients. Yeah. So um, connected to them. Okay, that was a pretty more technical episode where yeah. we talked about all kinds of different advantages, disadvantages, challenges with showing individual patients. And we went through quite a lot of different examples of uh, charts that you can use. If you want to learn more about how to actually do this, I strongly encourage you to go to the uh, data visualization special interest group. There's a lot of examples for that on their, their homepage mm -hmm. and it comes with data and with code. So check it out there. Most of the code is actually done in R. So uh, use it, adapt it and um, try it out. Have fun with it. Yeah, have fun. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Bye. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain who helps with the show, his background, and thank you for listening. Of course, this was an episode about data visualization and it's a podcast. I know you can't see these things. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to check out the show notes, the links for this podcast episode, and then you will be able to see lots of different, different things that we talked about. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician. 